Hi, thanks for tuning in to Out of Office. This is the podcast for people who want to go freelance or are already doing it. I'm your host, Fiona Thomas. I'm a freelance content writer and author. My first book is a mental health memoir called Depression in a Digital Age. My next book, Out of Office, will be published in October 2020. I just want to give a quick shout out to Dingy for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. They provide the world's first flexible insurance for freelancers that you can turn on, off, up or down. As well as that, they also help chase unpaid invoices on every policy as standard. As a customer who already uses their services, I'm personally very pleased that they've decided to help me make this podcast a reality. You can find out more about what they do at www.getdingy.com and I've also left their link in the show notes. This is the very first episode of Out of Office and today I'm going to talk about what we can do when shit hits the fan. I just want to start by saying um, I'm actually really, really nervous about recording this episode. I've had so many stumbling blocks to actually getting to this point of hitting the record button. Some have been practical issues like just finding the time and dealing with technical issues like my microphone broke and I had to get a new one and there have been delivery issues um, but then also my mental blocks of just getting getting going with this project. When I started writing Out of Office, the book, um, I started that in mid-2019, things looked great as a freelancer. I was just, I felt like I was really hitting my stride. I was charging more. I'd already had a book published. I was building a really engaged online community. And I, I just felt like I could see this long career path ahead of me. Just, I was just really excited to get going. And I was also in the position of starting to write this book, which was going to be a practical guide for freelancers. I knew that I was going to be actively encouraging people to dip their toe into the freelance world. And that, that was the whole point. I felt so optimistic about the industry as a whole. And I really wanted to give people a friendly nudge into getting started. Of course, now, as I record this episode in spring of 2020, the world of freelancing looks entirely different. The economic impact of COVID-19 has been felt by freelancers across the globe and the long-term effects, we don't even know what they are yet. Thankfully, the government has stepped in and offered some financial support for those of us who are self-employed. But that comes with its own set of issues because not everybody is eligible. And look, I'm not going to go into the government support scheme at the moment because it's not yet clear how it will work. But I'm going to link a really helpful fact sheet that's been put together by Underpinned. It's a document that's got loads of information for sole traders and limited companies about tax deferral, income support and universal credit. So Definitely check that out if you're looking for more financial support from the government. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. The majority of people are worried about the future right now and freelancers, of course, are no different. And that's why I wanted to jump right in and talk about that stuff just now in the very first episode of Out of Office. I'm not going to ease you in with an episode about how creatively fulfilling it is to run your own business and how smug you'll feel doing emails in your pyjamas or how empowering it feels 
to earn money on your own terms because although all of those things are true, it's not the whole picture. I'm not one to shy away from the negative aspects of freelancing and today I thought, fuck it, let's talk about how to cope when shit hits the fan because for most of us at this point in time, it well and truly has. If you're sitting there wondering how you're going to get through this period as a freelancer or maybe you've been thinking about making a leap and now you're just thinking we're going to have to reconsider this whole thing. Either way, this episode will offer you some practical advice on how to deal with the obstacles that come from working for yourself. Look, I'll put my hands up, I'm not going to be able to give you all the answers. Everyone's business is unique and There's common problems that I've seen cropping up again and again for freelancers, whether that's now, in the midst of a global pandemic, or any other time in the future. So I thought I'd talk to you about the most common issues that tend to send us freelancers into major panic mode. And also, share the things that I've done recently to put out various fires in my freelance life. Yep, I've been there and I'm still standing. So honestly, you're stronger than you think you are and you can be creative and you can be resourceful in times of need. Okay, first up, let's talk about losing a client. I've got two examples of when this happened to me. The first time was when I was first starting out as a freelancer. I'd quit my part-time waitressing job and I was relying on writing jobs to cover my bills. I was doing pretty well for four months And then overnight, 90% of my work was gone. I hadn't done anything wrong. I was writing loads of blog content for a national news outlet and literally making hundreds of pounds a month from that one source. I was laughing. I was thinking, life is great. This is Kushti. And then the editor of my section left. And when they were replaced, the direction the new editor wanted to take just didn't have space for the type of content that I was pitching. I went into a state of shock for about two hours. I was just thinking, what the hell am I going to do? And then I realised I've got to think fast. I applied for some part-time freelance gigs on Indeed, which is a UK job site. I also had a bit of a following on Instagram at that time, maybe about 2,000 followers, I think. So I decided to look into making my own products and tapping into that audience. I started by selling mental health zines, which was just like a kind of independently printed short magazine. I also hosted a few ticketed events in my area, but I also didn't give up on journalism. I found as many Facebook groups as possible. There's loads of Facebook groups for journalists where there's editors looking for writers. So I joined as many of them as possible. I also got in contact with other publications and started pitching to new places. Something that I just hadn't been doing because I'd been like, oh, this is great. I'm getting loads from the one source. Why bother pitching elsewhere? But then it pushed me into doing that. As a result, I ended up with like some of the best bylines ever. Some of the things that I'm really proud of. I got published in Grazia and iPaper around that time. And although the whole period was super stressful, it made me realise that as a freelancer, relying on one main income source is a very, very risky game. And since then, I've made a conscious decision to always have like three, four, five clients on my books at any time. It just feels much safer. So that brings me to the second example of when I lost a client. In the middle of March of this year, 2020, uh, the UK government announced that all schools would close and everyone should work from home. 
if they could. That was when my highest paying monthly client told me that they couldn't afford to keep me on. I was doing their social media at the time. Because I was following the news, I had been thinking about the economic impact and I was kind of expecting it. Um, But again, similar to my first example, I didn't feel like it was my fault. Oh, poor me. Um, So I wasn't angry. And, And like I say, it just kind of made sense. Some of you will totally get what I mean by this and some of you are going to roll your eyes so hard and I accept that. But I decided that I was going to see the situation as a positive thing. And this is something that I think is slightly easier for those of us who have been freelancing for a few years. I chose to see this as an opportunity because it freed me up and gave me back one day a week because that's how much time I was using on that client. Then I had the time and the kind of mental space to step back from my business, something that I'm going to be totally honest, I very rarely make time to do. I looked at this empty slot where my previous client had been and I thought, how how can I fill that time? And not necessarily how can I fill that time with a paying client, but who do I want to work with? How do I want the next client I take on to help me grow my business? That gave me a great start and off point. And then I started to make plans to basically just approach my dream clients and provide packages that actually meet their needs and then tweak my marketing to appeal to those dream clients. I'll be honest, I was also grossly undercharging that client and that was because they were one of my first clients. So I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I set my rates. I was doing about four days of work for them, but on my new increased rate, I'd actually only have to work two days to make up the loss of income. So when you look at it like that, it was I am choosing to see it as like a really a positive gift from the gods, <laughs> the COVID-19 gods. Like, I know that losing a client is really scary and it's upsetting. And I've put a positive spin on it because that's just my way of coping. But if you're sad and you're angry, that is totally valid. That is a normal, valid reaction. It has a real impact on your finances and I honestly I understand how that feels but that leads me on to my next point and that is what to do when you've got an empty bank account. In my book I make it clear I advise all freelancers to start saving. You may not be able to put much in your savings account in the beginning but over time as you increase your rates and you make more profit you will be able to save. I know a future savings account is no good to you right now if you haven't started one yet. So if you're staring at an empty bank account, here are some quick fixes. Probably not like your dream jobs, they're your dream clients or how you thought you were going to become a freelancer. But here's some quick fixes that might help you. Okay, first of all, chase up any unpaid invoices. After 30 days, you can add late fees and that's 8% of the total invoice plus the Bank of England base rate for business-to-business transactions. On top of this, you can also charge debt recovery costs, which is basically a flat fee for you having to chase up the invoice itself. That's between 40 quid and 100 quid, based on the amount owed. I know it's kind of complicated. If you go to the gov.uk website, there's one page that explains all this and helps you figure out how much you can add on to each invoice. I've actually never had to do this, because as soon as I mention to my clients that I'm going to add these fees, they tend to pay promptly. Another tip as well is to just make this detailed in your invoice, like have a little section at the bottom that says, just so you know, after 30 days, I will charge a late fee of this amount and it makes it crystal clear. Like I say, 
when when your invoice is late and you send an email saying, hey, your invoice is late, just so you know, if it's not paid, I'm going to charge X, Y, Z. That normally pushes people into paying quicker than they would have previously. It's also worth mentioning that Dingy, the sponsor of this podcast, they're an insurance company, but they also actually offer support for late invoices. What they'll do is they'll chase up your late payments. Um, as long as they're over £200, they'll chase up late payments on your behalf. This is great if you feel awkward or if you actually don't have the time to send the emails. I know it can be like most of us find it really awkward having to chase up late payments. And look, clients are actually more likely to take the email seriously if it comes from your insurer because they can see that you've actually got some formal backing to chase up the payment. They can see that you'll be able to take legal action if required. And although we don't want to be scaremongering, it's still good for them to know that you've got that you're not just doing a half-hearted chase, you're actually going to follow through. So I think it's worth looking into getting insurance for that reason alone. Another thing you can do is offer discounts on your current services. So this means that you could get a little bit of money in quicker than you normally would. This is particularly good if you offer high-end services, but you want to offer an affordable option for people. I have seen a lot of people doing this, in the current climate, hashtag current climate, because people just aren't necessarily spending high amounts of money. So they'll bring out a new offering, which is a more affordable, accessible way to work with people. So for example, I know a finance expert who normally charges maybe about 400, 500 pounds a day, but she's now offering sessions that are an hour long for 40 quid. So it's not taking up too much of her time, but she's still finding a way to reach people in a way that's affordable for them and gets money into her bank account. Another thing you could do, going off piste here, you can rent out your parking space. So if you go to Just Park or Your Parking Space or just Google it, you'll find hundreds of companies that allow you to do this. There's loads of people obviously having to leave their car at home now because they're not travelling. If you live in a built-up area like a city centre, you probably find that people without private parking are struggling to find somewhere to park. So it's just an idea to potentially get you a little bit of cash in the bank. And of course, we've all been there. You can start selling your stuff on eBay or Depop. (laughs) Things are so hard to get hold of right now because Amazon are only sending out things that are essential. Everything's getting delayed. Lots of companies have stopped selling things because they can't actually have people in the factories. Um, So everyone's looking to marketplaces now because regular retailers are struggling to cope with demand. So, for example, my husband was told by his employer that he was going to have to work from home. So he went and bought a desk from Ikea, sorted. And when we went to set up the desk the next day, there were like, crucial parts missing and guess what all ikea stores had closed down because of covid19 so we were like how the fuck are we gonna get these tiny little random specific ikea screws for one of the legs of this table and without it he wasn't going to be able to work from home so we searched on facebook marketplace and by some miracle found these spare parts for sale in our neighbourhood. Um, we like drove there, picked them up, paid the guy like a fiver and we got the parts we needed. So 
have a look around your home and think about what you can sell. Literally, it can be as random as IKEA spare parts. You never know what people are looking for. Um, even like, I'm trying to think of another example. So I'm doing online uh, virtual fitness classes and one of the classes is power hooping. But it's obviously quite hard to get a hula hoop right now. So if you have something like that, put it up on Facebook Marketplace and someone might want one. I also struggled to get a podcast mic recently as well. So things like that, like things that people are using to start a business or people are using to keep occupied at home, they're definitely in high demand and you can make a bit of instant cash just by selling them if you don't need them. Okay, the third issue that I see a lot of people dealing with just now is that they've got no work coming in at all. Everything's dried up. People have cancelled clients have cancelled, projects have come to a halt, everything's been postponed till after everyone goes back to normal. So my advice for this would be engage strategically. So think about the industries that are really booming right now because there are plenty of them. For example, fitness instructors are moving online. Anything edible like recipe boxes, chocolates or alcohol is seeing a huge profit if it can be delivered. Subscription boxes and online retailers are having such a boom right now. On top of that, smaller businesses are also looking to pivot into areas that they can adapt their business to suit the new situation. So they're looking for support. So if you can help a small business pivot into an online space, then you're in a great position to go and pitch them and ask if they need your help. So you can email these people, you can DM them, you can also just start promoting their work. So for me, I'm a content writer and I help small businesses create content that supports their business. So for example, say I wanted to help a fitness instructor create blog posts to attract their clients. I would go to their Instagram page and I would talk to them and I would support them and I would share their stuff and maybe go and do one of their classes comment on some Instagram posts and just let them know that I'm here and that I can help them build their business and pivot into this new, whole new world that we're living in. You can also offer pay what you can afford services. Basically, this would just be instead of offering, say you've got a package that normally costs £100, um, you could say that once a month you offer this to people on a pay what you can afford basis. So people can literally pay anything from a pound upwards and this is particularly good at the moment because some people just can't justify spending money but they still really need the help so say you're a photographer and all your shoots have been cancelled you could offer a editing course or some one-to-one support on how to use a particular piece of software so that people who are taking photographs at home now have got some help on editing And you can offer a slot on that that's just pay what you can afford. So once they've done the course, then they can pay you whatever they think it was worth. And it sounds sounds crazy that you could be offering that for a pound. But in my experience, most people do pay what they genuinely can afford. So, and people aren't arseholes. Like they will pay you something. So if you're literally sitting at home doing nothing, thinking about how you can make money that's a really good way and you can just trial it and see how it goes if you don't like it then fine don't do it again you can also join an agency so this would be an outside company that has clients and has regular work and they get you to do the work and then they pay you for your services 
I did this last year whilst I was writing out of office and the hourly rate was low but the upside was that I didn't need to do any marketing to find clients so it was great for saving time. All the work was handed to me on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and every month I made between £100 and £700 doing a variety of things so sometimes it was blog writing, sometimes it was writing press releases, I also did a bit of market research and social media scheduling. So if you search for a virtual assistant agency on Google, have a look, see how they work and see if you think it would be something that would be good just to plug the gap just now until everything kind of settles down. I'll be honest, you are probably going to have to settle for less pay than you would make if you were directly working with a client and you might have to do some work that doesn't necessarily set your soul on fire but like it's just temporary and it will give you some money to tide you over and you may actually find that some of the work you do makes you realise that you've got more skills than you realised. And the last thing is just to look on job websites. You know, all these job sites like Indeed and Jobsite, they hire freelancers and remote workers and part-time workers. They're not just looking for traditional employees. And digital services are needed now more than ever. So if you offer things like branding, web design, copywriting, social media management, then honestly, you are in a good place. You just have to find the people who are looking for people like you. So I want to wrap up by just giving you a quick rundown of the things that I've personally done in the last few weeks to clean up the shit that has hit the fan. (laughs) Okay, I checked in with all my clients to offer support and payment negotiations. I just want to keep everyone on good terms. I sent out any outstanding invoices as soon as possible. Sometimes I'll do them at the end of the week, the end of the month. I had a quick look and just sent out every one that I could send there and then. I chased up all my late invoices, but I wasn't a dick about it. I just said to people, hey, I'm waiting on this invoice, just to let you know, hope everything's okay at your end. You know, you don't need to be a dick about it. I also announced on Instagram when I lost a client, and the same day the slot was filled with a new client. I offered free check-in calls for other small businesses, which was great because it just started that conversation with other businesses who are lost, confused, and I know that some of those people will turn into future clients because it gave me a chance to show them that I care, what I'm like, what my skill set is, and I know that that will pay off in the long term. Talking to those people also gave me a really good idea of what pain points people are experiencing right now, and that has helped me shape the content that I'm sharing online and also help me shape the packages that I'm now offering. I also made sure to just continue the conversations that I'm having with potential clients. So anyone that's ever said to me that they're interested in hiring me, I've made sure to follow them on Instagram, keep talking to them on Instagram, share their stuff, ask them how they're getting on, not in a creepy way, just genuinely trying to keep building these connections and make them genuine and long lasting. So the main takeaway tips from this I want you to remember are please think about multiple income streams. It's such an important part of being a freelancer and one thing that lots of people just don't think about. To make a quick buck, if you need to, look for jobs online. Don't be too proud to look for other jobs. Or join an agency. Or, fuck it, sell everything that you own. (laughs) 
Think about the industries that are thriving right now and figure out how you can engage with those people and genuinely support them to grow their own business. Consider offering pay-what-you-can-afford services if that feels right. Talk to your target audience, figure out what they need and tweak your packages to suit what they need. And finally, look at the government support options. Like I said before, there's a link in the show notes and that'll be really helpful if you're looking for support from the government. Okay, I think that is all I'm going to talk about this week because I'm sure I've given you plenty of food for thought. I hope that it stopped you from feeling utter panic right now and I hope that it's given you the hope and the idea and the creative simulation that you can now go and make a plan and figure shit out. I just want to end on a final thought and it's something that Paul Jarvis talks about a lot in his book Company of One which is a great book I highly recommend you take a look at that if you can and it's this idea that as freelancers we're incredibly adaptable. Sure we don't have the financial backing of a big company like we would if we were employed in a traditional job but We also don't have the logistical complications that come with a company that size. We as freelancers can react to external changes almost instantly. We can lower our prices, we can break into new industries and we can talk directly to our customers and we've got so much control over all that and it's something that now I just think we should really be taking advantage of. Don't see being a freelancer as this awful thing at the moment see the positive ways that you can actually take control of your business and move forward in a positive way. Thanks again to Dingy for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and definitely check out their insurance services which are specially designed for freelancers. You can find out more at www.getdingy.com or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Just a quick reminder that my book, Out of Office, will be available in October 2020. You can follow me on Instagram at FionaLikesToBlog or visit my website, FionaLikesToBlog.com. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe for more episodes and if you don't mind, leave me a review saying how much you love me because I just really like getting compliments. That's all for now. Bye!